0: It is time for our midday show here on KRVN. Scott in here with you on a Battleship Gray sort of day here on this Thursday. Thank you so much for joining me, joining us, whatever you're doing, wherever you are. Thank you so much. Uh, we got Brandon Bennett's in here. Susan Littlefield's in here. we got to uh, Clay Patton ensconced in the farm room there. Can't get out. He's miming right now, which no one should ever really see. Susan. Susan. Hello, are you are you here with us? <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm just envisioning. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's
0: him jumping for joy. No, he was he was pretending to be like a mime, like he was in a box of sadness or whatever. And, oh. uh yeah, it was really something. It was. Uh, did you want uh, Did you want to comment, uh, Clay, at this point, Mister. So,
2: Fakori? Uh, yeah, no, I, I will now could be, be able to receive the much needed care. On, okay,
0: very good. And the President apparently was talking there too, so we got all kinds of things I was going. Like,
1: wow, wow, he does
0: a great he is Trump really good.
3: <laughs> Alec Baldwin's got
0: nothing on him. I know. Wow, oh my gosh what a what a crazy thing! All right, well, Susan, what do you got for us today?
1: Well, we've got a variety of things going on, of course we're going to talk unfortunately a lot of COVID-19 starting out at uh, twelve nineteen, with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. They held a news conference yesterday to talk about what's happening and how it's affecting the cattle industry. Then at twelve we're going to actually talk about getting some dirt under your nails or on your tractor tires I guess. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about nitrogen management as you may have planted some cover crops last fall and what that's going to mean for plant 2020. And then I'll wrap it all up at one seventeen as Steve nelson with the nebraska farm bureau talks about covid19 and things farm bureau is doing to suggest for our rural producers
0: okay all right all kinds of stuff going on thanks for keeping us uh, organized there susan
3: appreciate it
1: no problem
3: okay <laughs>
0: thank you we turn it over to brandon bennett's what do you got
3: you like history. Mm-hmm. I like history. Mm-hmm. As you look at the end of the Dark Ages, so to speak, in Europe, there was the building of a cathedral in France that is looked at as the end of the Dark Ages and the beginning of the Renaissance in France. The Tokyo Olympics mm-hmm. are still going on. Okay. The ceremonial handing of over of the torch occurred yesterday in Athens, and the everyone is saying even though they couldn't travel there to make it a big ceremony – the July 24th flame will still be lit in the Olympic Stadium in Tokyo, according to the Japanese man whose heritage I will not insult by trying to attempt his name. Okay. But he's in charge of the Tokyo Olympics july 24th they are still planning that may be the herald that brings us out of this corona fog that we're all experiencing and we'll also hear from unk softball coach katie ackerman on the end of her season which was beginning to be one for the record books
0: yeah that's usually the way it works out doesn't it thank you brandon i appreciate it we turn it over to bob brogan and uh at least there's a little bit of green on the screen right now
4: there's there is some green on the screen and uh, we'll see how that plays out, but uh, stocks uh, moving between gains and losses and trading on Wall Street, but so far, the moves are more subdued than the wild jabs that have dominated recent weeks the s and p five hundred was up six tenths in the morning trading after trimming an earlier loss of three point three percent. The Federal Reserve and European central banks announced their latest efforts to support the economy and financial markets. Meanwhile, the uh, number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits surged last week. And also, the first federal checks to families could be $3,000 for a family of four under the White House proposal to unleash money to shore up households. That's the way it looks. All right, thank you. Whether you live in
0: Cambridge, Nebraska, or Cambridge, Kansas, thanks for listening to 880 KRVN. Cambridge, England, you get a pass most of the time. Time for us to check in with our weather and see how that's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here right now, and I know that you were, uh, we were seeing precipitation sort of spreading in northeast Colorado, and you were kind of looking around quick to see what form it was. What are you seeing so and, uh, far?
2: Mainly some snow as you head towards the Denver area, and just to the west of Denver, already about six or five to seven inches of snow. But most of northeast Colorado seems to be rainy for the time being. With temperatures in the upper thirties to low forties, and we're seeing those mid-upper thirties on into the Nebraska Panhandle and much of the Nebraska Sandhills. So for the time being, it's falling as some rain, but more snow uh, snow towards Denver. But that is the main show that we'll be moving into our area as we move through the day today.
0: When do you, when do you think, have you seen when the temperatures are going to really plummet? Are they going to wait till tonight? Or and
2: most likely it will be mid to late afternoon. Is gotcha. when we'll start to see those uh, temperatures plummeting. Uh, already starting to see those temperatures just level off in western mm-hmm. Nebraska. But we will see west central Nebraska see those temperatures drop uh, this afternoon early on. And then more so in the central areas of Nebraska and northern Kansas later on this afternoon. But right now, it's a very nice day over much of northwest and north central Kansas. Temperatures up around 60 and sunshine <laughs> in those areas. are kind of in the dry slot of this first area of low pressure that's moving through. But more low pressure and a strong disturbance is going to be moving out of Colorado with more rain chances. We do have quite a bit of rain right now across north central to northeast Nebraska, mainly along the north of a line from North Platte to Broken Bow, Loop City, Albion, and Columbus. The showers and thunderstorms that were in many central areas this morning now right along the Nebraska-Iowa border into eastern Nebraska from Wayne to West Point to just southeast of Lincoln. Many of us with temperatures in the mid to upper 40s, but once again, temperatures... Behind a warm front over northern Kansas in the upper 50s to the low 60s. That compares to some mid-30s as you head into much of the Nebraska panhandle. And once again, that rain and snow mix starting to make its way closer from northeast Colorado. Because of that, we do have a blizzard warning that's in effect along and west of the line from Rushville to Oshkosh, Chapel, Holyoke, and Bankelman in southwest Nebraska, the very southwest corner of Nebraska. And this blizzard warning. So basically, it's a Nebraska Panhandle, northeast Colorado, into the very southwest corner of Nebraska. That is in effect from now until 6 tomorrow morning, expecting snow accumulations 3 to 8 inches, and winds gusting as high as 50 that could cause some whiteout conditions. Winter storm warning is along a northwest of the line from Bassett to Broken Bow and North Platte. Now, this is a little bit more to the southeast than what it was yesterday. Broken Bow and North Platte included this winter storm warning, from one this afternoon until seven tomorrow morning, snow accumulations to two to five inches, and winds up to about 50. Otherwise, many of the area or many locations in this winter weather advisory that is along a northwest of a line from. West Point to St. Paul, Kearney, Curtis, McCook, and Goodland from the middle of this afternoon till 7 tomorrow morning. Total snow accumulations 1 to 3 inches and winds gusting as high as 50. We do have the advisory and snowfall forecast maps right now on our KRVN Facebook page. Looking at strong low pressure tracking out of Colorado and through northern Kansas to bring everything from blizzard conditions in western locations and even the potential of severe thunderstorms in eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas. We actually have a slight to moderate risk of Severe storms in eastern areas of Nebraska. Rain and thunderstorms this afternoon. Switching over to snow with that colder air mixing in on the backside of the low. Winds switching to the north will gust up around 50 and lower visibilities in areas of moderate to heavy snow now most snow accumulations not going to be that great only about one to four inches but the wind the main problem late this afternoon through tomorrow morning as it gusts up to around 50 when it is much colder and windy tonight at 10:50, just remember that spring is arriving at that time the earliest arrival in 124 years is that right yeah because it's arriving on the 19th yeah that's usually really it's the 20th 21st something like that but yeah the equinox of Uh, Officially hitting at 1050, the earliest of 124 years for tonight. So stand out and celebrate. Exactly. (laughs) Out in that wind with cold Arctic high pressure building south. Dropping our temperatures into the teens tomorrow morning. Those temperatures with the strong north winds will drop those chill valleys to between 0 and 10 below tomorrow morning. The first full day of spring going to bring us some sunshine, though. But temperatures will be about 25 degrees below normal. Temperatures finally moderate to more seasonal levels by Sunday as the westerly flow takes over. Off and on, small chances of rain and snow <coughs> used to be expected to uh, remain possible with some weak disturbances, and that's mainly Monday into Wednesday. The long-term forecast now indicates temperatures are likely to be mainly warmer than normal for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. Tuesday through the 1st of April. The outlook does quiet down for precipitation to near normal to slightly above normal precipitation Tuesday through the 1st of next month for both Nebraska and Kansas. In the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska remains 96% drought-free, just abnormal dryness along and southwest of a line from Sydney to Imperial and McCook. Kansas is steady at 86% drought-free with abnormal dryness in the northwest corner and much of the southwest. But much of southwest Kansas remains in moderate to severe drought. That could be changing. Weather factors impacting the markets include wet conditions the next 10 days across the central U.S. and mainly dry conditions in southern Brazil. We will see in this storm's wake some cold air engulfing the plains, Midwest, and Northeast. That will combine with the rain and snow in the Midwest the next 10 days to continue to prevent field drying and warming of soils just ahead of spring field work. Southern Brazil crop areas will see very little rain through the next week. That dryness stress has already led to reduced soybean crop prospects in Rio Grande do Sul. Central and Northern Brazil will be much better off with some heavier rain. Some large soybean and second crop corn production is expected in those areas due to favorable moisture this season all right
0: very good well and again if you are a visual learner like me if you want to go to krvn's facebook page you do have the maps for snowfall forecast and advisory maps on there too
2: yeah, exactly because we have that blizzard warning to uh mm-hmm. winter weather advisory all across the area so a big storm system moving through kind of what we see this time of year in spring
0: yep <laughs> absolutely very good thank you paul i appreciate it where do you go to check in on your weather
2: KRBN.com.
5: The coronavirus is disrupting the everyday lives of urban and rural residents. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabela Guzman. In order to keep members and the public informed of what is going on in the beef industry, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association held a media conference call yesterday. Ethan Lane, NCBA Vice President of Government Affairs, says since the coronavirus hit, their continued top priority is the full beef supply chain and food security.
6: In order to achieve that goal, we need to ensure that we have regulatory certainty throughout the value chain to continue operations, uh, not just from that end of the, of the supply chain, from the packing plant to the retail sector, but all the way through that value chain, the feedlot, on back to cow-calf, including all of the transportation inputs that allow us to get that product from gate to plate.
5: Lane says they are busy in D.C. working with various organizations and have heard from the USDA inspectors from APHIS to AMS and others who they will continue working with.
6: Similarly, we are working with the Department of Transportation. Uh, we are pleased to hear that they've uh, recently announced an hours of service emergency waiver for commercial trucks, including those delivering food products. Uh, this announcement is, is, is helpful for us, and we want to make sure that that is extended to include uh, the drive time that is necessary throughout the livestock supply chain.
5: Livestock markets and whether or not they might close with the coronavirus was a question raised on the media call. Lane says this is something they are watching as there are gathering restrictions in place.
6: What we're continuing to hear is that that federal government, that White House designation of food security as being uh, exempted from that should apply to to our ability to do business in our supply chain as well. That being said, I know those livestock markets and LMA are are taking steps to minimize human contact to to whatever degree they can, uh, specifically wanting to make sure that they don't see a disruption there.
5: Another issue NCBA will be keeping an eye on is trade, including the recent closure of the Canadian border.
6: Our understanding is that uh, there will not be a disruption to cross-border trade in our industry as a result of that. Uh, We've spent some time today uh, checking in with our trading partners uh, in other parts of the world as well. Uh, We're not foreseeing any, any issues on that front at this point.
5: Negotiations are ongoing in D.C. for a coronavirus stimulus package, and there has even been talk of a cash bailout for livestock producers, something Lane says NCBA does not think is a good idea.
6: But, you know, at this point, obviously, we're exploring any option that, that is helpful to our producers on the ground. Uh, you know, the concern we would have with some of the proposals that we've seen is uh, where we're already dealing with uh, live cattle prices that are challenging. Uh, we don't want to create a situation where uh, folks are, are are rushing to sell cattle on that market in order to trigger a payment um, and inadvertently drive their price even lower.
5: Lane says they do see some other positive signs on the small business side that would help cattle producers.
6: If there is some movement to provide relief uh, to those small businesses, whether that's through operating loans with no interest, that they can make sure they make payroll or, or uh, make sure that those payments get paid on farm, we want to make sure that we're a part of that and that the, uh, the proposal that moves forward has provisions in there that, in, that include agricultural producers and cattle producers.
5: The National Cattlemen's Beef Association did send a letter to the administration asking for them to look for additional avenues for flexibility in order to reduce the burden of existing loans and interest requirements on cattle producers, along with the access to new loans and capital at low to no interest to make sure livestock producers will have the resources available to sustain their operations. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. (laughs)
0: Time for us to take a look at sports and what there is of it. Not quite as much right now. Brandon Minutes is in here, and uh, I guess maybe the big national story is it sounds like Tom Brady headed to Tampa Bay. Uh, they're, They're not quite finished signing that, but that looks like everything's pointing that direction.
3: You've heard people talk for really about the last 36 hours. Mm -hmm. You know, it was speculation and rumor, and then Adam Schefter has it, and pretty much any time Adam Schefter has anything, he's 99 and 44, 100% accurate on the information that he brings out, and now it's just a matter of the details.
0: Absolutely. Well, It looked like maybe Tennessee early on, and then they talked about the Chargers and Raiders a little bit, but... Hey, you know, Tampa Bay, that's it's not a bad place to retire, as you mentioned earlier. So uh, that's where TB12 has taken his work.
3: One day, brother. One <laughs> day. The Olympic flame has been handed over by proxy to Tokyo organizers in Athens. The coronavirus outbreak forced a bare-bones version of the usual elaborate ceremony in the stadium, where the very first modern Olympics were staged in 1896. The 80,000-seat marble stadium was empty, apart from a handful of, of officials and participants. Now marble reflects sound yeah in a marble stadium i wonder if you take out all of those humans that were supposed to be there and the human body is one of the most sound deadening Mm -hmm. artifacts you can ever have because you've been in big arenas where the music's really loud you put a thousand people in there and then they're turning the volume up because you can't hear it anymore i wonder if they even needed a microphone Probably not. Because sound echoing off of an 80,000-person marble stadium, it it did attract just a bare bones enough to get them through the celebration. The Japanese delegation were absent because of travel restrictions, and Tokyo Organizing Committee had delivered the speech by video from Japan. He pledged that, quote, on 24th July, this flame will be lit in the Olympic Stadium in Tokyo, end quote greek olympic committee president handed over the flame to a japanese unicef official in athens so hey anybody representing the nation of japan in athens we're going to hand this to you by proxy but hey it worked it was then headed to the airport because you know it doesn't have to worry about being infected by the coronavirus so it passes through customs without without testing last week of course the ncaa and the miaa announced the end of all spring sports activities which also includes the end of all fall sports teams who were practicing in their off season One of the spring sports coaches, UNK head softball coach Katie Ackerman, whose team was off to one of their best starts since joining the conference, shares her thoughts on the season that was cut all too short.
1: this year was a year that i want to say could have been we had the right players the right amount of depth we had just everything kind of going right in our direction for us to be successful and possibly make the tournament for the first time and you know unfortunately with everything that's going on um and season having to end it's very unfortunate i i think our kids just don't quite understand what the extent of it was and so really for all of us it just doesn't quite make sense but you know, we were happy where we were. We were excited where things could have been, but, you know, our focus is right now on what's important and working towards next year now, and that's kind of all we can do at this point.
3: Our next story comes from the file of let's throw ideas against the wall and see if they'll stick. The NBA is considering an idea. They haven't implemented it. They're just considering the idea that would have some players be completely quarantined or isolated even from their teammates. They would be completely alone, one from another, for the purposes of being able to compete against each other and other teams and provide basketball fans with at least some sort of games and diversion from the coronavirus pandemic. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver revealed that the notion is one of several items under consideration by league officials during the shutdown caused by the pandemic. So how it would work is each player would be in his own solo isolation, come out, play the game, go back into the bubble. Okay. People familiar with the discussion, hey, at least it's an option. It is. It's and, something.
0: They're thinking at least. You know,
3: six months ago, if you would have suggested this, they would have suggested other things for you to go do with yourself. And in this case, it's at least an option. And finally, people familiar with the discussions tell the Associated Press that Major League Baseball is considering skipping its amateur draft this year and putting off the next international signing period as a way to preserve cash while games are being affected by the coronavirus. MLB proposed crediting full Major League service for 130 games or more and proportional services for a shorter season. The union, of course, wants a full season of service even if no games are played because the years of service determines eligibility for free agency salary arbitration and most importantly their retirement mm-hmm. pension
0: yeah boy does it it just affects everything and the systematic. little things
3: the nooks and the crannies that we all just take for granted in an everyday life and now we have to think through every minutia of detail it's crazy thank you brandon thank you
7: North Platte police have announced the arrest of a 40-year-old man in connection with the death of 42-year-old Kimberly Ermy. William Stanback is charged with first-degree murder and use of a weapon to commit a felony. Police Chief Dan Hughes says Stanback was taken into custody Wednesday afternoon following an unrelated traffic stop along Interstate 80 near Hershey. Standback is to be arraigned this afternoon on the murder charges. The body of Ermey was discovered in a retention pond southeast of North Platte on March 3rd. Updates on the coronavirus are being released constantly, including how to identify it. Dr. Matt Beacom of the University of Nebraska Medical Center's College of Public Health was asked what are the signs and symptoms coronavirus and what should a person do if they have it?
6: The signs and symptoms for COVID-19 are going to vary from quite mild to very severe. The key factors and symptoms that we're looking for medically are going to include cough, fever, and some sort of respiratory distress that again can be highly symptomatic. Um, What we want to be clear of medically is runny nose is not a sign or symptom. And also, if you think you have it, we'd like you to seek medical attention first by phone. Uh, Always call your doctor's office or the emergency room before entering to keep others safe. Um, And really, if your symptoms are pretty mild, the expectation would be you stay at home, stay away from people, hydrate, use Tylenol to reduce your fever uh, and, and cough
7: medications. People in rural areas are known for hard work and to deal with problems and ailments on their own. Dr. Beacom says he grew up in a rural environment himself and now is not that time to go that route. As most of the U.S. race to get ahead of the coronavirus pandemic, conservative Republican lawmakers in Kansas move to limit the Democratic governor's emergency powers that include the ability to establish quarantine zones, if needed, arise. Conservatives are angry with Governor Laura Kelly's order to close all of Kansas's K-12 school buildings for the rest of the spring semester and view it as an overreaction that is stoking panic. And despite Kelly's past support for gun rights measures as a legislator, a few of them argue that her bold action on the coronavirus means she might go after firearms. The Scottsbluff Regional Airport has taken off paid administrative leave and put back to work. The Scottsbluff County Airport Authority Board voted to reinstate Raul Aguallo. He'd been put on leave in January after allegations were made to the board. They were turned over to the Nebraska State Patrol for investigation. He says he's happy to be back to work and was glad that the board had faith in him. His reinstatement includes a 60-day probation to address some policy changes. He says he's learned he has to have paperwork for everything. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder.
1: Learning more about nitrogen management and cover crops. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Agronomist Tim Launch is with Koch Agronomic Services as we talk about nitrogen challenges going into the 2020 growing season.
8: Well, in 2019, uh, we saw a record number of prevent plant acres uh, 19.4 million uh, was USDA's uh, report. And that is the most, uh, since they started sharing that report back in 2007. So we, you know, we've got a lot of growers, uh, facing this potential situation. And many of them, uh, you know, as part of the prevent plant requirements, uh, put cover crops in place to prevent erosion and hopefully bring, you know, some additional benefits like alleviating compaction, improving, you know, soil health and those kinds of things. Uh, but as growers start heading back to the field here in 2020, and start the process of terminating cover crops and starting field work for uh, this coming spring. Uh, they really probably need to give some careful thought to several different aspects of nitrogen management that may be a little different for them this year than what they've experienced in the past.
1: So, when it comes to nitrogen management, then Tim, what are some of the key things producers need to be thinking about?
8: Well, uh, one of the one of the most important things is uh, with cover crop termination, uh, there will be crop les- residue left behind, uh, and that's certainly can be a benefit for soil health, uh, but that residue uh, could ultimately lead to immobilization of nitrogen. And One of the key things that growers need to think about with respect to nitrogen immobilization is the carbon to nitrogen ratio of that residue. Uh, Generally speaking, as cover crops mature, uh, especially when we're talking about cereals like rye, for example, uh, the carbon to nitrogen ratio uh, increases significantly. And so higher carbon residue, uh, tends to immobilize greater amounts of nitrogen as it decomposes. And, um, this nitrogen gets tied up in microbial biomass and may not even be released, uh, to the crop in that same growing season. And so, uh, a couple of things to keep in mind here. Number one is earlier termination, uh, of cereals when possible. Uh, when cereals mature from vegetative stage, you know, through flowering, uh, that carbon to nitrogen ratio uh, changes very substantially. And so uh, if uh, termination, uh, early termination is possible, uh, you won't see much nitrogen immobilization, but if termination gets delayed like we saw in 2019 for those that normally use cover crops, uh, then you're going to probably have to come back with an increased rate uh, of nitrogen to compensate for that uh, that nitrogen that gets immobilized by the microbes.
1: So can we go back to what we've always done with nitrogen management, or do we need to look at it in a whole different light as we move forward?
8: I really think, uh, you know, we, for this coming year, especially if you're dealing with cover crops and you've never used them before, uh, we, we really need to uh, carefully evaluate our plan uh, to make sure it's still adequate. Uh, the, the other thing that can happen with high-residue cropping systems, uh, where we've got cover crop residue on the surface, if we're using surface-applied uh urea or UAN, we're also at, at a very increased risk of volatilization loss uh due to the additional urease enzyme activity, additional moisture and, and reduced soil contact associated with that residue. Uh, those losses can be as high as forty percent uh if we don't uh protect that nitrogen from loss. And so uh you know a couple of you know a couple of big loss vectors here that really need to be managed. Uh, with cover crops. Number one is volatilization loss. And so, you know, we do have, uh, technologies available, uh, such as our Anvol uh, nitrogen stabilizer that will protect, uh, those surface applied sources against ammonia volatilization loss. Uh, another option would be to incorporate that nitrogen below the residue, uh, into the soil, uh, which is recommended, uh, as a, as a practice, uh, to, to mitigate that risk as well but once we get the uh the nitrogen down into the soil profile uh then we need to be probably somewhat concerned about uh about uh leaching and denitrification losses that normally happen in any growing season and so uh, our option there uh is to use a nitrification inhibitor uh product like our Centuro nitrogen stabilizer is really designed to protect against those below ground losses
1: well, the thing is that you guys are there, I think, as, as a good expert for, for these producers to, to talk to and, and have the discussion about what needs to be done with their field because you guys have dealt with it. Some folks who have never used or maybe are newer to using cover crops. This is uncertain territory, so it's nice to know that there's a company like you guys to fall back on.
8: Well, thank you. Uh, one, of, you know, one of our uh, guiding principles is around uh, integrity and having a really strong science to backstop our products. And so these technology solutions that we bring uh, to the market have been thoroughly tested and evaluated. Uh, We're we're very confident in how they work and uh, the situations in which they work best and and how they can mitigate uh, the risk of nitrogen loss. Uh, so uh, yeah we uh, we strive to be a source of uh, very good strong technical scientific based information in that regard. Well, I just uh, w- wish uh, everyone a uh, healthy and uh, safe growing season this uh, this coming year i'm I'm pretty confident that u uh, s farmers are going to get the crop put in uh, coronavirus notwithstanding.
1: My conversation with tim watch i'm Susan Littlefield, the rural radio network. Mm-hmm.
0: Twelve fifty-three, time for us to take a look at our business report here on KRVN's midday. Thank you so much for joining us. Stocks rebounding today after a pretty pretty well, a really bad day yesterday, but coming back a little bit. Let's take a look at the overnights. The Japanese Nikkei was down one seventy-one. The Hong Kong the Hong Sang in Hong Kong, excuse me, is still down six hundred points. The FTSE in London, though, was up 71 points, and the German DAX up 168. Now, the the 10-year Treasury yield, which did so well yesterday, back down today, but still above 1% yield. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is in New York, up 440 points, so just over 20,000K. The NASDAQ was up 285, and the Standard & Poor was up 52. Bob Brogan with more.
4: Stocks have been seesawing, rocking back and forth between gains and losses in trading on Wall Street. But so far, the moves are more subdued than the wild jabs that have dominated recent weeks. The S&P 500 was down two-tenths of a percent in early afternoon trading after uh, bouncing between a gain of 2.5 and a a loss of 3.3. That would be a notable change in normal times. But the index has had eight straight days where it swung up or down between 49 and 12%. Goodness sakes. (sighs) Meanwhile, the number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits surged last week to the highest level in more than two years, indicating that the effect of the coronavirus was starting to be felt in rising layoffs in the job market. The Labor Department says applications for benefits rose by 70,000 to a seasonally adjusted 281,000 benefit applications. That was the highest weekly total since September 2, 2017, following Hurricane Harvey. The Federal Reserve has set up a program to exchange dollars for foreign currency with nine central banks to support dollar lending in global markets that are under pressure from the impact of the virus The move announced today enables foreign banks to provide dollars to their banks that sometimes lend and trade in U.S. currency. It's the latest effort by the Fed to smooth the functioning of financial markets as investors, banks, and companies rush to stockpile cash amid plunging stock markets and a sharply slowing economy. The first federal checks to families could be $3,000 for a family of four under the White House proposal to unleash one trillion dollars to shore up households and the US economy amid the coronavirus outbreak. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin says that the checks in the mail would be directly deposited into people's accounts under the plan the Trump administration has proposed to Congress. So those are some of the moves being made to uh, blunt the force of this uh, coronavirus and uh, we Continue to make our way through the darkness, and uh, there will be better times ahead. Hopefully,
0: yeah, there certainly will. It'll be interesting to see that jobs report next month. That's going to be that's going to be a brutal jobs report. Ouch. I'm afraid. Yeah, one word. Ouch. Yeah, it's just it's going to be rough. All right, all right. Very well, Bob. Thank you for all the good news as always. Decatur County, Kansas and Decatur County, Nebraska have more than just one thing in common. Both rely on 880-KRVN.
1: The Nebraska Farm Bureau has put out a checklist of sorts talking about COVID-19 and being prepared in your operation. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Talking with the Nebraska Farm Bureau president Steve Nelson about the preparedness list that they posted.
9: Well, that's right, Susan, and, and you're absolutely correct. I, you know, when you're when you're uh, in the rural parts of Nebraska at the farm or ranch and you look out, you know, and you like I am today, and you you look out and it and it doesn't. There's nothing really foreboding about what we see. We have our work to do, and we we go ahead and do our work, but. I think that, it, it, that it's important that that we take this very seriously, as you talked about, and that's why we've put this list together.
1: Let's talk about some of the things that are on that list, including the communication with the folks that you get your feed from, for example.
9: Well, one of the things that we have on the list is just being in contact with your suppliers to make sure that that uh, that they know what you need and when you'll need it and you can make arrangements as to how you're going to pick that up maybe practice some additional social distancing when you pick up the the supplies that you need it'd be the same as we move into planting season here there's a, a lot of moving around and, and certainly uh, the need to have fertilizer where you need it and when you need it and uh, supplies those kinds of things so I think it's just important to make plans on on how that will take place and, and be in contact with with your your suppliers, so you have a plan to to work through this extraordinary time,
1: and it comes down to really just keeping that line of communication open with with your cooperative, your your agronomist, all the different folks that you use on a normal basis for planting twenty twenty.
9: Well, that's right, and and I think uh, it's you know, just important to think about that and do what you can do to to protect yourself you know one of the things i think about and on most farms and ranches we don't have a lot of extra labor and so we may have uh you know one or two or three or four people is all and each one has their particular duty that they do and for example if if there's one person on the farm that runs the planter it might be important to be thinking about what you would do if the planter operator uh, ends up sick when you want to be planting and be able to manage around that the best that you can I, again I know that in most cases we don't have redundancy there and so uh, it, it it's just I think something that's important to think about as as we move forward
1: you know i think i saw one of the best tweets the other day reminding producers that they play such a vital role in what happens in america because of the food they produce so the the note said put yourself first as we move through COVID 19.
9: why that's extraordinarily important and when you think about what farmers and ranchers do we're on the front end of the food chain uh, so food, we're on the front end of the food supply chain uh, in, in almost every case, and so what we do is extraordinarily important, and and we need to make sure that that we're able to fulfill our end of that process by making sure that that uh, that things are there and and happen when they need to. Now, at the same time, you know, one of the things we talk about here is that that. Uh, you know there will be disruptions, but but some disruptions can be dealt with. And so if 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 people are having issues, be sure and let us know. Let people know what's going on at Farm Bureau. We're in contact every day with uh, with USDA. My
1: conversation with Steve Nelson. I'm Susan Littlefield, Rural Radio Network.
10: Patent on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, what a great day to talk because we have finally seen a little bit of turnaround here in these grain commodities as well. As the settlements start to come in, we are green across the board here. The thing to remember, though, is how long can this type of deal go? We have a high U.S. dollar as well. The demand picture is still not all that known.
11: No. I mean, today was a bounce. I, I, I think we should get some follow-through here and uh... I continue to kind of recommend that folks, uh, you know, look at uh, 350 for the price point as far as July to buy. I think at some point here we should see a, a bounce. Um, you know, it's just so precarious. Tomorrow we'll get jobs numbers that will probably be real bearish. And uh, tomorrow uh, evening, you know, a post-close sell-off rally. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how we square up on the close tomorrow. But things certainly feel like they're a little bit more in hand than they were Three or four days ago, and I think um, folks are starting to settle in a little bit, and the panic seems to have erased the market.
3: Have you
10: heard any more developments on the Argentinian ports closing? Because I know at the noon hour then there was some saying that the mayor didn't have that type of authority, so does it look like Argentina is going to keep its ports open?
11: Good question. I mean, that's really probably the most important thing we can talk about here going into the summer as far as exports go. Argentina is about $20 per metric ton cheaper than we are right now at the port, so probably 40 cents. 50 cents down on the bushels now i think the u.s is going to keep a demand you know hike here just given that feed demand is going to be so strong but really with ethanol it's um ethanol is scary here as far as what what's going to happen with that industry but that's probably more of a long term problem than a short term problem
10: as well, like we've talked about, this U.S. dollar now starting to break out of its downward trend that we were starting to set up here. We're starting to push back towards those 2017 highs, the beginning of the President Trump's administration. What do we need to see to break this dollar back?
11: Well, the dollar itself right now. It's like you know, we're the next two weeks. Banks are running to the Federal Reserve. They're running to any place they can get to get dollars to survive the next two weeks because they know deposits are going to be light. Um, and that's really, I think, what's causing the big stress in the financial markets here. I think we could, you know, down the road wake up and see when this thing all passes and, and see a huge reversal in the U.S. dollar. So in my opinion, this is not a, a place to buy it.
10: Again, we've been talking with uh, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. They're publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. You can learn more at John Payne's website. That's DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, DanielsAgMarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss that may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. And again, some decent export numbers coming out today as well. We saw in the grains, uh, corn and so- uh, soybeans. Corn was 904,000 metric tons. Soybeans, 631,000 metric tons. Wheat a little bit disappointing at 338,000.
0: And that's going to do it for our midday show here on KRVN. To hear today's midday show in its entirety, you can go to podcasts at krvn.com. Brought to you by Divini Motor.
8: Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and Cook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Divini,
4: Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, dot com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.